Welcome online to the Longmont Church of the Nazarene. Uh, before I get into today's message, uh, a couple of things I want to share with the church family, first of all. Um, just a reminder that um, especially now, it seems like uh, the recommendations or even requirements are changing almost daily. And I know here in Boulder County, uh, beginning t- tomorrow morning, uh, which will be Thursday the 26th, um, we will be required or asked to stay at home and minimize going outside. So that may restrict some of you more than ever. I know that some of our folks um, have uh, health conditions that would make it um, dangerous, uh, risky for them to be out. I would encourage any of you in our church family who have a need, someone to do shopping, pick up a prescription, anything like that, um, please call the church office and let us know. If you don't get an answer, um, leave a message and we'll do our best to see that you get the help that you need. Just also an encouragement uh, to continue being faithful in your giving. Um, I know sometimes when people aren't in church together on Sunday, uh, vacations are a good example of that. Sometimes it just people don't remember to do that. And we would ask you to be faithful in that. Uh, you know, we still uh, have to pay monthly bills, and this, the pastor really does like to get paid. So um would encourage you to be faithful in your giving. There's an option for you to do that on our website. There's a portal um, that you can access. Uh, you can mail Mail in your tithes and offerings, um, or you can bring it by the church. Um, and some have set up bank drafts that are sent uh, regularly to the church and would encourage you to be mindful of that. Also want you to know, and we didn't realize this till our uh, last week when we did this, at least I didn't realize it, for some reason... Um, uh, our time limit, either on the camera or the computer, something cut off, cut off at 30 minutes. And so it actually came in two parts, uh, the first 30 minutes and then the remainder um, uh, was the second part. So if you see that when you go online, uh, be sure and look at both parts so that you'll get uh, the complete message. Uh, before we be- begin, I want to open with prayer. Father, we come to you, Creator, Lord of all, Almighty God. We're thankful that the Scripture tells us so many times to be not afraid, uh, fear not. You remind us that you never leave us or forsake us. You're our ever-present help in time of need. Lord God, you are utterly, absolutely faithful and reliable, and you're bigger than this thing that we face in our world right now, this coronavirus pandemic. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can know a peace that that passes understanding as we trust in you and what you can do in our lives and in our nation and in our world. We also believe, Lord God, that for those who are in Christ Jesus, this is an opportune time. And in the circumstances where we find ourselves and people are experiencing stress and fear and some even panic or continual worry, And, Father, may we have our spiritual antennas up. May we be ready to share 
what Jesus has done in us and the peace that we enjoy because of Christ's presence in our lives and also be open to offer our hands and feet and assistance to anyone who might need our help to show the love of Jesus when it's very much needed in so many lives around us. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the way it speaks to our lives right now, today, right where we live in 2020. I pray that you'll continue to put a protective hand on our people, those that are part of our church family and any others that may be watching. We pray, Father, that you bless your word to our hearts today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the series I've been preaching is entitled, But Then Jesus Came. Today is, But Then Jesus Came, Hurt to Wholeness. The whole meaning of this is the change that Jesus brings when he's on the scene. And our story, story this morning is sometimes referred to as a sandwich passage. That is to say that it's meshed in the middle of another story. To give some context here, Jesus has just returned from the far side of the Sea of Galilee, an area called the Decapolis, where he has just healed a man who was filled with demons. He's just put ashore. He's returned from that side of the lake. He's just put ashore, and already a large crowd has gathered around him. At that point, a synagogue ruler named Jairus approaches Jesus, falls at his feet, and pleads with him to come and heal his dying daughter. Jesus agrees to go with him. And as he does, he's followed by a large crowd, and the scripture tells us that that crowd pressed in around him. And it's at this point that we meet a woman with a serious physical issue. You know, one of the things that we're facing during the current coronavirus pandemic is a recommendation or even requirement in some cases of social distancing. This has led some to express concerns about the emotional and spiritual impact that this kind of isolation can have on people. Well, the woman in our story was all too familiar with social distancing. She had experienced it for 12 years, not because she had an infectious disease, but because by Jewish law, she was considered unclean. So let's read our text this morning. It's found in Mark chapter 5, and we'll be reading the last portion of verse 24 through verse 34. Mark chapter 5, uh, verse, last part of verse 24 through verse 34. And it says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, 
Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want to begin this today by looking at the woman's problem. I, uh, I did some research online and, and uh, I found this information on hemophilia.org. It, it speaks about bleeding disorders and it says this. Bleeding disorders are a group of disorders that share the inability to form a, a proper blood clot. They are characterized by extended bleeding after injury, surgery, trauma, or menstruation. Sometimes the bleeding is spontaneous without a known or identifiable cause. Improper clotting can be caused by defects in blood components such as platelets and or clotting proteins, also called clotting factors. The body produces 13 clotting factors. If any of them are defective or deficient, blood clotting is affected. A mild, moderate, or severe bleeding disorder can result. Now, we really don't know what caused the problem this woman was experiencing, but we do know this from what we read in the scripture. First of all, her bleeding was chronic. For 12 years, this had been going on. And according to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, chronic diseases are defined broadly as conditions that last one year or more and require ongoing medical attention or limit activities of daily living or both. We know that her condition was distressing. What do you do when you have a problem that no one can help you with? We know that it was more than likely shameful for a couple of reasons. It was a personal thing to begin with, something that would not be easy to talk about because of the type of problem that it was. But also, it left this woman ceremonially ceremonially unclean, and as such, she was a pariah. And we'll talk more about that later. And then the scripture tells us, She was getting worse. This condition was worsening. All attempts at a cure had failed. In fact, her condition, after all she'd gone through, had only grown worse. You can almost sense the hopelessness in, in that description of her. And it tells us, the scripture tells us that she had exhausted all options. You know, people who are desperate will sometimes try things that may seem unreasonable or even a little bit crazy. William Barclay, in his commentary on this passage, says this. The woman in this story suffered from a trouble that was very common and very hard to deal with. The Talmud itself gives no fewer than 11 cures for such trouble. Some of them are tonics and astringents. But some are sheer superstitions like carrying the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in summer and a cotton rag in winter or 
carrying a barley corn which has been found in the dung of a white female donkey. No doubt this poor woman had tried even these desperate remedies. We are told she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Perhaps it was because of what we would call archaic or even quack remedies, none of which had worked. We're also told that she had spent all that she had. Now, I think initially we would think, well, that's they're talking about monetarily, and I think certainly it refers to that. But I think she'd also exhausted all her resources. She was what we might call completely tapped out. You know, we use the word spent in a number of ways. We can say, I'm spent, and it can apply to us physically. Um, My wife and I do a workout uh, three mornings a week. Sometimes after a tough workout, we say, we're spent physically. If you've ever been on a difficult hike or anything like that, or or, or done a, a, a maybe a, a a job that required hand labor and you weren't used to doing that, uh, you feel physically spent when you're done. We can say we're emotionally spent um, when we've been through a, a stressful time in our lives. People right now with this pandemic. Um, because of the fear and, and the worry, they may feel emotionally spent. Uh, we, we've been dealing with a family recently who lost a loved one. The emotions involved in that, people can feel emotionally spent. People can sometimes be relationally spent. We've invested so much in this relationship, and it's just not working out. It seems to be even more stressed than it's been before, even to the point of being broken, so we feel like we're relationally spent. We've just got no more to give into that relationship. We can be spiritually spent. We can say, I've prayed and prayed and prayed, but God seems to have turned a deaf ear to me. It's like he's a million miles away Has he forgotten me? And because of all these factors, the woman makes a desperate decision. But I think we can say this. Her decision was prompted by faith. Up to this point, though the woman with a bleeding disorder had heard of Jesus' miracles in Capernaum, Jesus had previously healed in only two ways. His direct touch or his spoken word. He healed the centurion servant in Matthew 8 and the paralytic by his word in Matthew 9. He healed the leper and Peter's mother-in-law both in Matthew 8 by his touch. Further, the leper and the centurion had asked Jesus for help personally. And the paralytic and Peter's mother-in-law were brought by others. None of these miracles were stealth-like. The faith of the woman with a bleeding disorder was unprecedented, uncanny, and unconventional. She thought to herself, if I just can touch his clothes, I will be healed. Her words, insight, and action showed her unwavering faith 
in Jesus. She should be at home, away from people, mindful of the condition that made her unclean. But she figured that God cannot be unaware, offended, or tainted by genuine faith. And her decision ignored the potential for judgment. Let me read from you back in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 15, where it gives um, some of the rules that the Jewish people were to abide by, especially when it came to cleanliness and those sort of things. And it says this. This is Leviticus chapter 15, beginning at verse 19. When a woman has a regular flow of blood... The impurity of her monthly period will last seven days. Anyone who touches her will be unclean till evening. Anyone she lies on during her per- anything, excuse me, she lies on during her period will be unclean, and anything she sits on will be unclean. Whoever touches her bed must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean till evening. Whoever touches anything she sits on must wash his clothes, clothes and bathe with water. And he will be unclean till evening. Whether it is the bed or anything she was sitting on, when anyone touches it, he will be unclean till evening. If a man lies with her and her monthly flow touches him, he will be unclean for seven days. Any bed he lies on will be unclean. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Period. Whoever touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean till evening. <clears throat> there was a real stigma that went with the, the condition that this woman had. Think about it. Think about the limited contacts you could have had with anyone. Certainly, we know that she couldn't have attended synagogue or gone to the temple because there would be the potential that others would rub up against or touch her in in some way and then become unclean. We don't know if she had a husband or children, but if she did, she probably would not have been able to live with them. If they came in contact with her, they would become unclean. If they sat on or touched anything she sat on or touched, they would be unclean. It was this unpleasant domino effect that no one wanted to get caught up in. But then Jesus passes by and she reaches out in faith and touches just the hem of his garment. And the scripture tells us that her healing was immediate. She knew, she knew immediately that she was cured She felt it in her body right away. And and I think there's something about this woman's faith that, that catches the eye. She knew that all she had to do was touch Jesus. She didn't need his attention. She didn't need him to touch her. She didn't need his time. 
She just needed to reach out and touch him, and that would be enough. The people back then had some supernatural beliefs about a touch of a holy man and what that touch could do. Just as people today are sometimes impressed when they're able to touch someone who is famous. Yet there was more to this woman than superstition. Evidently, she realized that Jesus was what we might call the real deal. That he was from God. That he was God's man. And she knew, she just knew, that God could heal her. And he did. Evidently, even without Jesus' conscious participation. Think about this. Jewish thinking of that time said, if unclean meets clean, then unclean contaminates clean, and clean becomes unclean. That was why she was doomed to a life of quarantine, of excommunication, of social distancing. Yet, she came just as she was to Jesus. And this time, when unclean met clean, clean made unclean clean. Do you realize that others who touched Jesus that day were, as far as we know, completely unaffected? Remember it said the crowd was pressing in around him. We get the picture of a very large crowd of people, maybe packed into a narrow street. It must have been Bedlam. Jesus was famous. People knew what he had done. Folks from all backgrounds and all ages bumping into him and rubbing shoulders with the master. Quite amazing when you think about it. Jostling in the, with the crowd and bumping into the one in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. Yet no one there received a miracle, even though they touched him and crowded him. No one really expected a miracle or asked for one. And isn't, isn't that like many of us at times? We walk into church, sing a few songs, raise our hands and our hearts toward heaven. We pray, we worship in his presence. Jesus did say that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that he would be there in their midst. Yet we often only rub shoulders with him, shake hands with our friends in Christ, and go out the door unchanged. Another ho-hum Sunday, let's go have lunch. Isn't it incredible how we can be in his awesome presence and yet be so unaware of his mighty power? Often too preoccupied to notice that maybe God wants to speak to us or even move in our midst. Ken Geyer, in his book, Intimate Moments with the Savior, shares these thoughts. Help me to realize that it was not the healthy who, who reached out to you. They bunched up in crowds, but it was those who suffered greatly who reached out to grasp you. It was the people in the streets, not in the sitting rooms of society, that 
groped for your garment. It was needy people. People with outstretched arms. People with empty hands. People who had nothing to offer but the faith that you would make them whole. I confess, O Lord, how often I have followed in the crowd, pressed around you. Yet, how few times have those brushes with you changed my life? I have touched you, but only in the rush hour of religious activity. Sunday after Sunday, I take my part in the crowd as I sit through the service. I sing the songs, I hear the sermon, I read my Bible, say my prayers, give my money. I attend the right seminars, tune into the right programs, read the right books. How could I be so close to your presence, yet so far from your power? Could it be that my arms are folded? Could it be that my hands are full? I pray that if my arms are complacent, you would unfold them in outstretched longing for you. And if my hands are full, I pray that you would empty them so that I might cling to you. Well, the story tells us that Jesus ensured that the woman's healing was complete. You know, he could have gone on without stopping. But Jesus made sure he found out who touched him. See, he knew that this woman needed more than just physical healing. So in the hearing of all, all those that were gathered around him, he addresses her. And he starts this way. Daughter, a term of endearment and acceptance. You know, up to this point, she had been no one's daughter, no one's friend. She had just been unclean. Daughter, to the one who had been cut off from society for 12 years, Jesus uses a term that says, your family, you're dear to me and you're dear to the Father. So he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When Jesus says, your faith has healed you, did you know that the word for healed that he uses here is the same word used for saved when it comes to our salvation. One and the same in the Greek language. It carries the sense of wholeness. Daughter, you have been made whole. This woman now is whole physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Her faith has not only healed her physically, but it also has healed her wholly. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. All of it. Not just what you suffered in the body, but what you suffered because of your separation. What you suffered emotionally. What you suffered spiritually. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. You know, some of us are bleeding. How many ways can a person bleed? You know, again, I think this woman bled physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. 
She was, she, she'd suffered embarrassment, discouragement, hopelessness, defeat. She felt forgotten, rejected. Some of you may feel like you're bleeding and it's been going on for a long time. You've exhausted your options. You've exhausted your resources. You need some way to stop the suffering. You need someone to stop the suffering. There's a song that I became familiar with when my wife was in a singing group in college. It's entitled, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Here's how the first verse goes. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Here's the key line. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, made whole. Evermore his praises bring. Alleluia, alleluia. Praise the everlasting King. You need some way to stop the suffering. You need someone to stop the suffering. You need someone to make you whole. And Jesus is passing by. He's here for you. All you need to do is reach out in faith. He wants to make you whole. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, the story touches many of us, I think, not only because we empathize or, well, some empathize, others sympathize with the plight this woman had lived with for so many years. And I think on the surface, we think about what she dealt with physically, but we know it went deeper than that. Just because of the fact that she had to distance herself, she was considered unclean. There was that rejection. That was that relational suffering, that emotional suffering, and that spiritual suffering that all came along with the physical suffering that she dealt with for so long. And yet... In one simple act of genuine faith, in reaching out to touch the garment of Jesus, she was healed. And it's always amazed me that that the scripture tells us Jesus knew that power, power had left out of him. Power had gone out of him. That act of faith caused a release of power. It wasn't even conscious on Jesus' part. It was just her faith was so genuine and so real that in an unconscious way, Jesus, God in the flesh, responded to that. And she was made whole. And her suffering was brought to an end. And Jesus, there are some today listening in, watching this, who have been bleeding for a long time in some way. Maybe in more than one way. And 
You know, I think about all the others in that crowd that day who were just there to experience, maybe to see a miracle, to, who knows, hear his teaching, but pressed up against Jesus and really didn't experience anything except the fact that maybe they got to touch this guy who'd grown really famous. And yet there was one touch that made an, an incredible difference. And Father, there are some today who need that incredible difference to take place in their lives. They need some way to stop the suffering. They need someone to stop the suffering and to make them whole. So my prayer is that they will reach out to Jesus. The one who can release power into their lives through the forgiveness of sins through the healing of hurts, through the binding of wounds, through the restoration of relationship, whatever it may be, and make them whole. And I pray today, Father, that there will be those whose bleeding has stopped because they've reached out in faith and touched Jesus. Thank you for your power make us whole. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us again today. God bless you.